welcome to the Life Church podcast. We are here to help people experience a life-changing relationship with Jesus. We hope you were blessed with this message from our lead pastor, Zion Douglas, recorded live from Palmerston North, New Zealand. Enjoy. Zacchaeus is a man that I think many of us can relate to in some way or another. He was a hugely influential man in terms of his occupation, but yet he was too short in stature to even be a part of what was going on. Imagine that, being so influential, having so much authority in one way, but at the same time having absolutely no authority that you can't even be part of what is going on. Zacchaeus was very wealthy in many ways, but he lacked what he needed most. He had all the money. It says he was incredibly wealthy, but at the same time it was very obvious that he was very empty. His name translated to mean pure or innocent in the Bible. That's what his name means. But it seems like he didn't match up to that at all. I think for all of us, we've been given names and we've been given things, have things that have been spoken over us, but there have been times of our lives when that just hasn't really connected. I remember mum, I've shared this before, every time I left to go to school, even went during high school, uh, my mum would grab me in the, in the entrance where I have our home and says, I'm before you leave, I'm going to pray for you. And a couple of times I made it out, but she let me know that that was not okay. She grabbed me and she said, and she, she prayed the same thing pretty much every time. And she says, Zion, you are the head and not the tail. And a lot of the times I felt like the tail. So Zacchaeus, he was called pure or innocent. That was his name, but... He was not that way at all. Really, he was a treacherous guy that had ripped off a whole lot of people. And by most people's standards, despite what he had, I don't think he would class himself as somebody that had a great life. He had it all, but he didn't have what he needed. He had all the stuff that he could ever want, but really what he craved wasn't there for him. So then we find out that Jesus is about to enter into the scene. Jesus is about to pass by, and with the self-doubt, that I'm sure he was feeling with his life at really a tipping point at this moment, I want us to notice the way that Zacchaeus responds to Jesus passing by. And this is the exact same thing that happens all throughout Scripture, that when Jesus is walking by, it is the enthusiasm, it's the passion in people that captures the attention of people that had nothing going for them just like Zacchaeus. He could have pulled back in that moment, he could have slunk back really thinking about what he was going through and the life that he had been living. He could have kept in that place of being ashamed of what he turned out to be. And he really agreed with the words that had been spoken about him, I'm sure, by the people that were in his life. But instead of succumbing to a dismissive atmosphere, Zacchaeus was drawn to Jesus out of his enthusiasm. The Bible says that he ran ahead. He, ran, he, didn't, he didn't just try and get through in that moment. He said, I really want to be with Jesus. I really want to even just see Jesus. Then I'm not just going to wait in this moment. I'm going to run ahead to try and find a prime position for me to be with him. He ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree. And I don't know about you, but the Bible doesn't talk about anyone else going the extra mile in this time, in this moment, to catch a glimpse of Jesus like Zacchaeus did. Everybody was surrounding Jesus. Everybody was trying to get to Jesus. But he was the one that was so passionate about being with him that he ran ahead. Then Jesus calls to him, just like he is calling to everybody here today. We've got to know that, yes, we are in some way. I know that the Bible isn't written 
uh, to us, but the Bible is written for us. So we've got to understand that obviously that it is talking about a person in the Bible, but at the same time, woven throughout the Bible are messages for you and I here in 2020 in Palmerston, North New Zealand. Jesus calls to him, and Jesus is calling to you today. No matter what your past has been or what you've been going through, you might think of yourself as the worst of the worst. Yes, you are being called to by Jesus also. You might not have everything together or you might be coming to church or might be part of this church, have been part of this church for a very long time. And on the outside, it appears that everything is going well, but on the inside, everything is crumbling within you. And the only way that you're keeping hold of this image is by putting on a mask every Sunday that you come to church. If that's you this morning, that's okay. This story can be for you too. Jesus called to him. He says, I want to come and be with you in your home today. There were a lot of people that were there. I'm sure there were a lot of great people with a lot of great intentions there. I'm sure there were a lot of outstanding citizens that were in that moment that, that Jesus could have gone and been part of. But Jesus didn't choose any of them. He called out to Zacchaeus. And then Jesus, Jesus calls to him, and Zacchaeus doesn't just meander down in his own time. He doesn't just say, oh, yep, sure, you know, kind of like a 13-year-old when, you know, when you kind of tell them to come down to dinner. So, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, I'll be there in 30 minutes. Or like, okay, like me, you know, when I'm distracted. Doesn't just meander down. Sorry, Sophie. The Bible says that he comes down to meet Jesus with excitement and joy. Excitement and joy. While everyone else around him was grumbling, complaining about what Jesus was doing, finding the negative in the moment, looking for a way to criticize, standing back in the crowd and judging based on what they had seen in the past. Zacchaeus was overwhelmed with enthusiasm and Jesus wanted to be with him. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, so my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable and always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Romans 12, 11 says also, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. I'm telling you this morning that being enthusiastic about God is never wasted. Being enthusiastic about His presence being enthusiastic about his name, being enthusiastic about being, being with him just for a moment longer, be, being enthusiastic about being present while everybody else is here, being amongst other people that are worshiping Jesus. It is a never a wasted moment when you come to God with enthusiasm. I love to be in atmospheres that are enthusiastic. I like to go to rugby games. I even like to play football with a particular gentleman that is here this morning, the most amazing guy, and, and he is enthusiastic about what he does on the football pitch. He knows what I'm talking, I'm talking about him. And when he gets onto that pitch, I'd love it because he's not just there to just kind of take part in the game. He is there to win the game, and he will do anything it takes, even including shouting at me yesterday, Zion, you're out of position. Why did you do that? And I love it. Not necessarily because abuse is being healed at me, but because I know that it comes from a place of great enthusiasm. And this place, I believe, should be the most enthusiastic environment that we could ever step into. Better than any All Blacks game or any game at Manchester United or at Old Trafford or better than any 
birthday party or party down in the center of town, this should be the place that people walk into and say, wow, these people, they're crazy. And I like it. These people are kind of on the edge. These people are just going a little bit of hoorah. These people swinging from the ceiling and doing cartwheels all over the place. But it feels good. If anywhere that people were supposed to be enthusiastic, it was meant to be in the house of God. If anywhere there were a place where people had something to celebrate, if anywhere we had something to shout about and be grateful for and full of life for, it is in the house of God because we know what we have received in Him. Can I get an amen? amen? Being enthusiastic about God, it's never a wasted moment. But we first need to know that what we allow within us will always dictate what flows out of us. And this morning, if you are coming into this place and you feel like, yes, I want that, but I don't have that, let me, let me, let me tell you, Matthew 12, 34 says, For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. What you have in you will always determine what comes out of you. And that's easy to understand in principle, but it can be very difficult in application. Let, let me put it simply. If I put sewage water into my washing machine instead of washing liquid, it will definitely affect the outcome of my clothes. Amen? Anybody agree on that? If no, then your mum's probably still doing your washing, all right? If I put grape juice from communion into the fuel tank of my car, it will definitely affect how the car runs, right? You, know, you might not see it to begin with. Well, you probably will, to be honest. You know, it might not be very obvious from the outside, but as soon as you start that motor, you're going to know pretty soon. If I put McDonald's into my body day after day, I wouldn't be the athlete that stands before you right now. <laughs> that's actually incredibly hurtful, church. <laughs> oh, that's right. Sophie got all the looks. That's fine. I don't mind about that. So why are we surprised at all when we don't have enthusiasm coming out of us when we don't have the right things going in? And I know that we live in a world that loves to just punch stuff into our lives. I know there's just information on the, on the, the tip of our fingertips. You, you really can have all the information in the world about anything in the world on the, at the tip of your fingertips. I mean, even before we watch a movie, we can... You know, when we decide on what movie should we watch tonight, you know, we spend two hours watching the movie and three hours deciding on the movie because we want to go through the IMDb, you know, what it says about it, the reviews, and we want to make sure that, you know, other people, have they watched it and what have they said about it? We've got all the information in the world at the tip of our fingertips, but what that breeds is a culture of anxiety because we weren't meant to receive all the information that we receive every day and every hour and every minute of our lives. Enthusiasm in the Bible is the Greek word for entheos. This word can be broken into two parts. The beginning of the word in means in <laughs> or inside. And the second part, theos, means God. So literally the, the word enthusiasm isn't just a made up word. It literally is from the Bible and it comes from the Greek word entheos, which means when we put these words together, it literally means to be filled with God. And the great thing about having enthusiasm, it isn't just something that we do. It isn't just something that comes out of us. It isn't something that is dictated by the things that are happening around us. Enthusiasm comes when we are filled with God. We can be enthusiastic about many things. A day off. Yes. School holidays. All the parents said, ah. Oh. 
It's one of those. No. We can be excited about enthusiastic about the rugby this afternoon. Who's, who's enthusiastic about that? Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm scanning the room for future friends like, in that moment. Okay, Todd, you're in. All right. We can be enthusiastic about what we're having for lunch this afternoon. I'm still looking for friends, you know, who's like, yeah, lunch, that's me. We can be enthusiastic about spending t- the, some time on a hobby that we really enjoy. And I'm not saying this morning that those things are bad things at all. I'm not saying those things are bad things. And let me be clear here. We need to be a church that has people that have a life. You know, that's, that's really important. <clears throat> but what I am saying is that to be truly enthusiastic is to be someone that is filled with Holy Spirit each and every single day. And it's not, about, it's not a matter of this or that. It's a matter of priorities. It's not a matter of, you know, choosing rugby and my hobby or God. It's a matter of God and then everything else in my life. Psalm 27 verse 4 says, One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. That's why we come to church, to seek Him, to get enthusiastic and to receive more of Holy Spirit into our lives. We can have spiritual enthusiasm, And we can lose it when we don't allow Holy Spirit to take residence within us. Romans 8 verse 9 tells us that He wants to take residence. He wants to live within each and every single one of us. And you might be here this morning for the first time and you're wondering this morning why people could be bothered about singing so loudly or how dare they sing so loudly right in my eardrums or why are they smiling so wide or why are they genuinely pleased to see one another. Usually when you see people in places like the plaza, you kind of ignore people, you know, like you know, pretending to listen to something in your headphones. Why are these people genuinely excited to be seeing each other this morning? Why, why, why are there people that gladly give of their own time to welcome you into the car park and welcome you at the door? And why are there people that gladly give up time during their week to serve on the production team, serve, serve on camera, serve on sound, serve on lighting, serve on the worship team this morning? Why, why, why are there people that, that, that do that? Why, why are there people that gladly give of their time to serve us coffee on a Sunday morning? Why do people do that? It's, it's all because of who we have within us. It's not a matter of feeling good. It's not a matter of position. It's not a matter of so people that know us or so that we get some, some sort of, what's the opposite of notoriety? I don't know. Yeah, you can figure that out. <laughs> that word, whatever you said. It, 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 it's because it comes from a place of who we have within us that we can't help but be enthusiastic about serving others and serving God. And as humans, that we so often default to apathy and finding comfort in cynicism. It's our, it's all, it's, you can, it's, it's our default as humans. It can be our norm to be indifferent about what is going on and almost enjoyable to be able to point out the flaws in everything that is happening. But I'll pray today that any hint of that could be completely challenged and that you'll know that when you bring your enthusiasm to God and put it on display for others around you, it isn't wasted. It isn't wasted when you worship. It isn't wasted when you sing out loud. It isn't worship when you clap the word. It isn't, it isn't wasted when you walk into your life with a big smile on your face. 
It, it isn't a waste when you, when you walk in and you see somebody that's sitting in the corner by themselves. It isn't a waste for you to go to that person and say, hey, you doing? Good to see you. Can I sit with you this morning? Can I buy your, it, it isn't wasted because we're not doing it just to make ourselves feel good or for a moment of, of personal satisfaction. We are doing it because God resides within us. Can I get an amen, church? And whether you're feeling at the moment like you're in a valley or on the cusp of a breakthrough, I just have two things I want to share with you this morning. Usually like three or five or six because it really just fits together well and the nice numbers. Two, it always feels like one guy's been left out, but it's okay. I've got two things for you this morning because that's all God gave me. Amen. Take out your notebooks and write these two things down. If you want your enthusiasm back, if you want to know it's not wasted, if you want to back this one, you've lost it. I want you to do two things this week. I, I want you, first of all, to obey his call to rebuild your temple. I'll explain that in a second. Obey his call to rebuild your temple. And second of all, to enjoy your time in his presence. Obey his call to rebuild your temple and enjoy your time in his presence. In Haggai chapter 1, the Jewish people returning to Jerusalem after years in captivity in Babylon to rebuild the, the temple of God. They've been given permission by, by, by the um, Babylon, Babylonian authorities to be able to go, back to, their, to go back to their land, to be able to rebuild their temple. But when they, they go back to the, their temple, they uh, go back to their land, go back to Jerusalem, they don't build the temple straight away. Instead, they start to focus on getting the things that they want and their comforts sorted out first. They, they start to build their own farms and they start to build their own uh, homes and they start to build their own uh, stuff. I don't know, other things that they built in those days. Um, sorry. They, they, they start to build all the stuff and, and then God essentially says to the people, you're so busy trying to work your way back into a life of meaning by setting up your crops and your, your rebuilding your farmhouses, getting back into the way of life that you know as ordinary when you should have started with my temple. You came back, your, your purpose was to come back to build the temple, but you got distracted by the pleasures and comforts of life that you went and did that first. And so in verse 14, so it says that Zerubbabel and Jeshua, the high priest and the whole remnant of God's people began to rebuild God's house out of obedience for what God said. God came and confronted them. Haggai the prophet came and confronted them, gave them the word, and then they said, yeah, okay, okay I'm gonna, we're going to obey what God says and we're going to do what he says. And in verse 14, it says that everyone's enthusiasm was sparked as they all began to build God's meeting place once again. And I get the sense that many of us are trying to do good things by getting back into the rhythm of life at the moment. That's what this whole series is all about really confronting the main things that really we're trying to say that this could be a waste of time, but no, we're saying this isn't a waste of time. We're getting to the rhythm of sorting out our priorities at the moment. That we've forgotten about our own meeting space with God. What is he, what is he saying to you today to reestablish intimacy with you? I want, to ask you, I want you to ask that question as you go into your week. What is he saying to you today what is he going to be saying to you this week to, to rebuild the temple in your own life? I'm not talking about a physical church. I'm talking about the temple that resides within you. I'm, I'm talking about your own temple. What is he saying to you this week to reestablish intimacy with you on a daily basis? 
Psalm 73, 28, David's speaking about his time with God. He says, but I'll keep coming closer and closer to you, Lord. For your name is good to, to me. I'll keep telling the world of your awesome works, my faithful and glorious God. Before you build anything else for you, have you built your relationship with him? Before you build the comforts of your life, have you established his temple inside of you? I want you to answer that question as you go about this week. I don't want you to pass that by because I really don't want you to just come into church and enjoy all the, the, the good things about church but, and make your relationship about, with God about what happens here on a Sunday morning for an hour and 15 minutes rather than what happens with, between you and God personally on a day-by-day basis. Maybe to you, maybe it just means establishing your temple. Maybe it just means opening up your Bible and reading a verse. Maybe it's reading a chapter. Maybe it's spending half an hour in your morning praying. Maybe, as we said last week, maybe it's turning on the worship music instead of listening to talkback radio. Whatever it is to you, I encourage you, if you want your enthusiasm back, it starts with reestablishing His presence in your own life. Number two, enjoy your time in His presence. If you want your enthusiasm back, know that your time with God is tru- truly is meant to be enjoyed and not endured. I mean, if you endure church, find another church. I, I know I shouldn't say that. The elders are probably going to talk to me after the service and, you know, give me a beating or something. But truly, if you come in this morning, if you come into church and you're just coming to get through it, let me encourage you to find a home that you love to be a part of. And if you're coming in with, a, with an attitude of, I just had to get through this Sunday morning, and even more than that, I have to get through life group, and even more important than that, I have to get through my time with God in the morning or in the evening. Do it a different way. But the most important thing is just enjoy your time with the Lord. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, a really well-known passage of Scripture, Samuel, uh, David is bringing the ark, of, uh, the ark back, into the, back into Jerusalem. The ark represents the presence of God in the, New, in the Old Testament. He's bringing it back after defeating the Philistines. And David went before the ark as, and, and with all his might. I'm not going to do it with me this morning, don't worry. He was, he was wearing a bit of linen. Not going to do that either. And it says that he was, he, was, he, was, he was dancing and leaping with all his might before the presence of the Lord. But there was a widow. Oh, there was a window. Widow. There was a window. <laughs> I can read. I you know, I went through high school. yeah. Boys high education, all right? There the window stood Saul's daughter, McCowan, and it says in verse 16, she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. Then she yells out to David, saying how much of a disgrace it is for David to be acting like such a fool as the king. How dare you be doing that? You're, you're a disgrace. You're supposed to be leading up people, not making an making a absolute nuisance of yourself. But then in 2 Samuel chapter 6, 21 and 22, look at the words. It says, David says to Michal, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people, over the Lord's people in Israel. And check that out. That is some serious boldness and confidence in who he is called to be. As an arrogance, that's just stating facts. I will celebrate before the Lord. I'll become even more undignified than this and I'll be humiliated in my own eyes. 
What is it to you to enjoy His presence? What does it look like to you? What does it look like to you in the morning? What does it look like to you on a Sunday? Let's be people that we're not so caught up in how other people think about us, that we lose sight, that we're not trying to, trying to make other people happy. We're simply here to please God. When we're in the presence of God, we're not trying to impress anyone else that is here. We're just trying to please Him. You want your enthusiasm back? Start from a place of obeying His call to rebuild your own temple and then enjoy your time in His presence. It's not wasted. The passion you bring, the, the joy you bring, the life that you bring, wherever you go, it is not wasted. When it's all said and done, no ounce of your praise, your joy, your enthusiasm is ever wasted when it is directed at, to our God. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can comment, subscribe, or share it with your friends. For more information, visit us at lifechurchpn.co.nz. Have a blessed week.